fringe of reality, if you will. <laughs> it's the X-Files of sports shows. Pretty much is what this is going to be. This is going to be the fringe of sports, pretty much. Will be yeah. yeah, it's like X-Files of sports shows. Just things that maybe didn't seem completely right, but they still occur. Uh-huh. Flashing uh-huh. lights in the sky. Were they really there? Was it a plane? Or was it just a light pole that was messing with your eyes? Or, or, or like or that guy who jumped out of the... Jumped out of that thing over the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, people were saying that was fake. Uh-huh. So the moon so the moon landing. I know, but do you actually believe that? I don't know. Where did he land at? I don't know. Oh, I just saw the... Where, where, did, where did he say? Arizona. Oh, that seems... Like a feasible place to land. Oh, that's, oh that that makes that would actually make sense. He said it's Arizona or New Mexico, and uh, we all know about New Mexico. <laughs> but it was twenty four miles. You heard about that, right? Yes, Andy. I, I, I don't mean to go off topic, but yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, three miles from that high though, still something. <laughs> did, did you see how he jumped? Yeah, he, he, was, was, he really did. He really did. It. <laughs> did you see how he jumped? He was, he was just like, huh? Yeah, here we go. <laughs> just fell over. I guess when you're that high, what else can you do? I know, right? Well, it says I have to jump. I might. Have... I hearing on the radio that that was the only way to get back down to Earth was to jump. Something about they couldn't just fly back down. It wasn't just that simple. But I, I have to say, I have to say, going up would be more scarier for me. Going all the way up would be more scarier than just falling over. Well, because you're afraid of maybe the flame out pushing on the way up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That makes and sense. Would, and would you be more afraid of maybe... Looking down. Like, like plunging the earth? Oh, the engine's fail. Yeah. Or more afraid of... No, it was a balloon. It was a balloon. It was a, the balloon bust. It was the balloon. Okay. What yeah, you, yeah, they didn't talk about that. Wouldn't it be funny if they didn't stop and kept going to space when that'd be funny? Yeah. Could have. He was wearing a spacesuit. He could have stayed. He could have lived in that little bubble, that little whatever he was in, that little canister. Yeah. For at least a day, maybe. How? How? Maybe like a day, probably. Something like that. And then the rescue mission would have been. Uh, not, not, the human race is exactly at the point where you can just get in a plane and yeah, just pick him up and come back. <laughs> but the transformers are. Yeah, well, why not transform? <laughs> <laughs> they do live on the dark side of the moon, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't know what they, or they did, actually, because they, don't they blow up the base and all that? Yeah. I'll admit, I want to see Dr. Moon once, but... Yeah. I, I don't even remember it. I don't even remember <laughs> most of it. Damn side, don't they? Cause I know... I know they had that snake thing. What's his name? The... the, 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 the what is it? The... Oh, wait a minute. We're talking about both. We're talking about different movies. I'm remembering Revenge of the Fallen. That's what I'm remembering. No, which is the one that they reused the Avengers uh, bad guy? <laughs> it's... Remember... Okay. Remember the Avengers? And they had the, the snake at the end? And it was... And Hulk brought it down. Or it was... Yeah. And then Transformers, they had the exact same bad guy. The <laughs> exact same. I swear to God, it's the same CGI, too. It has to be Dark Side of the Moon, which I haven't seen. I'm on mistake. Uh, it was Revenge of the Fallen I've seen. That's why uh, I got confused. Oh, you saw the last one with you saw the yeah, last one with Megan Fox. Fallen is just a shit that they're in. That's right. Revenge yeah. of the Fallen is just a shit. 
We're hanging out in space on Earth. Uh, how do we get to Transformers? <laughs> well, that's all right, here we go. Okay, the first topic, you know, I was, you know, if anybody that listens to our show or any of the sportsway.tv stuff we've been doing for the past year, uh, they know I have a real fascination with Jake Plummer. You know, I think it's known. He was one of my favorite players, you know, watching back in the 2000s? Yeah, 2000, yeah. 2000, no, oh, 97, 98, around there. Anyway, um, our first story, yeah, I think it's pretty good. It's it's entitled The Disappearance of Jake Plummer. Real quick, you left the NFL at age 32. You were 39 and 15 as the Broncos starter. Do you miss the NFL? Do you watch it? Yeah, I do. You know, I, I miss it really bad now because there's some teams that are kind of bucking the trend and like they're running the option in Denver. I mean, their Cam Newton is changing the whole entire game and they're not... They're not, he's not being, I don't, you know, forced by a coach to be in a box. I don't even say names, but, you know, I was forced to kind of do what I didn't feel comfortable doing. And I think that now in the NFL, these, these coaches are, they want to win. So Tebow runs the option. Let's win with that. It's awesome. All right, Jake, enjoy the game. Thank, Thank you. you. Guys, back to you. And I think most people forget. Well, not Castro, because I talk to the I talk to him about Jake Plummer almost every time I see I talk to him. But uh, his name at least comes up once, or maybe like right. His name comes up a lot, right? When I when I, when I talk when I talk. We just really like that much, man. Some players were just really a fan of. When I say you, ever you know, I just mean people all over the place. Yeah. Just this one player, just for whatever reason, just has a hold of you. <laughs> Yeah. What was I going to say? Okay, so the disappearance of Jake Plummer, and this whole story revolves around, well, the strangeness comes into it, was I always thought it was strange how after the 2000, hang on, I got the stats right here, after the 2005 season, uh, Mike Shanahan just got rid of him, well, basically got rid of him, he, he drafted Jake Cutler, 2005 that summer and by the end of the fourth fifth game they had put Cutler in to replace Jake Plummer just because Shanahan was I guess he was just so upset with them maybe I, don't, I really don't know what it was but Kassel, you could probably better remember with me because he left Arizona in 2002 he got there in 2003 and he had one three four five six he had four seasons there where he played, uh, where he played, four uh, a full slate. He played eleven games his first his first year in two thousand three. Then he then he continued to play all sixteen games in two thousand four, two thousand five, and two thousand six. But I think the last oh crap, the last time they went to a postseason was in two thousand five. Hang on, yeah, well, no, yeah. Okay, so anyway, this whole disappearance about Jake Plummer is, I always thought it was strange that he only played a, um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, less than 10 years, in, or 10 years in the league. He actually was a really great quarterback. You know, he had a lot of interceptions. Uh, I think his the most, he, the most he ever had for one year was in 1999, and, and, and that was 24. But he was with Arizona. But he did beat the Cowboys, you know, in the playoffs. I think it was 98. 
that he actually did beat the Cowboys. Yeah, it was 98. Yep. Um, and he actually did take the Arizona Cardinals. And he was actually beloved in Arizona. Remember, Gossam? I don't even think they wanted to trade him. It was just that he was a free agent. And um, he went to Denver because Shanahan was there. Everybody thought he could be the next John Elway, so and so and so and so. And his first year, he only had seven interceptions. Um, in 2003, uh, he had a quarterback rating of 91. And that was actually his better year out of all one, two, three, out of all four seasons that he was there. Um, the last season that he was there, he had a quarterback rating of 68. But I think the I think the sad thing was is it was almost kind of like he was forced out of the league in a sense because he he did he did um, say that he first he said he was just gonna go along with it because I think he ended up being traded to the Bucks I think is that yeah, right Casa yeah he had ended up being officially traded with the Buccaneers but I don't he I don't think he really wanted to leave Denver and I think maybe even if it meant possibly being a a full time quarter a backup to me. To Jay Culler, I still don't think he actually wants to leave Denver. Yeah, and um, I, I always thought it was really strange how he, he left the league and just how that whole situation unfolded with him getting getting uh, traded to the Bucks, but and then in the end just said, you know, never mind, I'm just going to retire. And it was almost one of those things where it was like almost like a for me at least it was like a Barry Sanders thing. It was like, huh, like really, You're just going to retire? But at the same time, I was like, he probably didn't feel like. He could win and 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 with the Bucks and I think he was right. Yeah, I mean, because at that time the the Buccaneers I think were in more of a rebuilding mode. I mean, they had already gone to a mode where they wanted to go ahead and just sort of start, but at the same time bringing in Plummer, but a veteran. They were so in that middle ground where they really weren't ready to fully restart. But they didn't have enough pieces to get to the places where the Broncos had been. Because the Broncos had played, you know, conference championship with Plummer. That that gone at least, I think, on two different on two of those four years. I think they had gotten the at, at least the first round by. And <clears throat> if it wasn't for for the Colts having their number, they would have played at least a couple Super Bowls. I mean, they had that one game against. Uh, the Steelers, which they just amazingly lost, you know, the whole the Steelers bull run, and then whenever they would come up against the Colts, they would just lose to them. And and it's funny that that would happen because the Broncos, for whatever reason, in the Jay Palmer era in those four years, they just dominated the, the the Patriots. A lot of people don't don't realize this or don't remember, but the Broncos, for whatever reason, had the Patriots number. The Patriots, of course, had a number, and and so, if if the Broncos could have somehow, some way, actually avoided the Colts and played the Patriots in the in the conference championships, they'd be in the Super Bowl. You know, they would have gone those two times at least, at least for sure one one time under Jake Plummer, probably more like twice. And just for whatever reason, it just never happened. You know, the matchups, the way people won, lost, just never happened in that way. Here's one more thing. Okay, I finally found the the correct way he, he actually got ousted from Denver. It says, on November 27, 2006, after a lackluster performance throughout the first 11 games, this is his last year, uh, 11 games of the regular season, and directly following back-to-back -back losses to San Diego and to Kansas City, Broncos head coach Mike Shanahan announced that Plummer would be replaced by starting quarterback rookie 
Jay Cutler. The decision to hand a 7-4 and four team over to a rookie quarterback was met by fans and media with mixed reactions. That's, that's where that whole thing came. Those who viewed Plummer as inconsistent herald the change as one that would re- revive the Broncos' struggling offense. Others claimed such a move was ill-advised, especially given that Plummer had guided, to the, guided the Broncos to the AFC Championship game the year before. You know, his, uh, his third year. Or his third, his third year. So the guy was there three years. He took him to the AFC Championship. But then his fourth year, he gets benched with with a seven and four team. Clearly, that means they lost back to back games, San Diego and Kansas City. So that means they were seven and two. Right. Okay. And they lost back to back games, and Shanahan benched him and replaced him with Jay Cutler. And that makes no sense. It really doesn't. And it's unfair too. It didn't make sense. It, you know, it didn't make sense then. It doesn't make sense now. I remember when I first saw that. They're 7-4. Okay, you're 7-2, and, and you lost two in a row to make you 7-4. Okay, fine. But you're telling me that you couldn't write the ship to get minimum three more wins? That's that's You were three Ten and six. Ten and six. Yeah. And when out there, I'm not sure if he won more than one game the following the rest of the season. I don't know if Cutter won more than one. And let's not forget, according, according to reports, I'm not sure if it was ever, ever truly confirmed, but according to reports, his uh, his girlfriend was a Broncos cheerleader, so uh, when the end of the season comes around, they're telling him, you know, get your they want to trade him to Tampa Bay. It could possibly be that his the the cheerleader girlfriend was a could have been a Denver resident and all that, which which is you know he didn't want to move her and him already settled down, didn't want to move either. Could have he's been that as well. Okay, and then this is what happens. Okay, following the end of the regular season, Plummer was traded to the Tampa Bay Bucks on March third, two thousand seven, for a two thousand eight conditional draft pick, which is. Which is retired. A very short time later, however, rumors began to surface that Plummer was in, was going to choose retirement over competition with Buccaneers quarterbacks Bruce Gridkowski, Tim Rattay, Jeff Garcia, Luke McCown. So they already had four quarterbacks. On March 9th, Plummer ended that speculation surrounding by announcing a decision to retire. Uh, through he though he had announced his retirement, he was still in a contract to the Bucks. Therefore, Tampa Bay coach John Gruden at the time met with Plummer to try to convince him to play the 2007 season. The attempt was unsuccessful as he did not show up for the 2007 training camp. The Buccaneers sued for recovery of his signing bonus. A settlement was reached on June 10, 2008, requiring Plummer to pay back $3.5 million to the Bucks. Yeah, so it was just messy all around. And it, it, I think, I think, I'm not sh- I don't really know Jake Plummer, but he seems to me that he saw himself with the Broncos for, you know, for quite a while, or at least to the end of his career or at least to the end of his contract at least and it, i guess he kind of thought he, he he got the that i guess shanahan got impatient with him a little too soon four years is i think is way too quickly to go up on a you know quarterback that you actually sign as a free agent don't yeah. you think and let's not forget especially since the guy who was fitting the system who as we said the the record was seven and four it's not as if all of a sudden they went from seven and four to seven and seven, you know, it's not, it's not if he yanked them when they were seven and seven. They're still seven and four, three games ahead, uh, uh, above five hundred, and there was really no need to do it. I mean, I'm very, I'm surprised that Shanahan, at that time, I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, really? You're going to throw in the rookie when you're still seven and four? And maybe it, it could easily be something personal that he may have done. Maybe Jake Plummer could have been back talking more. I, I don't know. I mean, we didn't, we never 100 percent know." What goes on 
you know, truly behind closed doors. And so, I don't know, maybe it was just a little more personal things that we don't know of. And yeah. just for whatever reason, we know that he's a starting quarterback with a, of a 7-14, and, and then for all its purposes, inexplicably benched. I don't know. I, I kind of think that's what uh, Shanahan has the Jake Plummer curse. <laughs> Jake Plummer curse? No, but uh, they, they say that uh, he's now an assistant coach at Sandpoint High School, um, coaching the Bulldogs quarterbacks. And where was this? At? In Sandpoint, Idaho. Okay, yeah, because that, that, that in itself is kind of strange because Jake Plummer, okay, he, he was drafted by the Cardinals because he had gone to Arizona State. So he had played at Arizona State with the Sun Devils. Took him to a Rose Bowl, and I don't know how often Arizona State's even been to a Rose Bowl. Maybe I don't know. I, I think I think the 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 time that Jake Plummer took him may have barely been the second time, assuming that even gone before that. But Jake Plummer took him to the Rose Bowl and got drafted by the Cardinals. So he has, he has spent I'm going to assume his whole life up until he got up, up until he went to Denver. He has spent his whole life in Arizona. And, and, and I always found it interesting that he went from the place that most a lot of retirees go to Arizona. A lot of people go to Arizona. Yeah, to retire. It's dry heat and it's just, you know, it's just no snow, no nothing. He went from that and then he ended up he ended up in Idaho where it's just when they when it snows up there, I believe they get feet, you know, like, I don't know how high, to be honest. But in Idaho, being so close to Canada, I can only imagine. It's probably, it's probably no... They probably reach three feet of snow easily per season. I'm pretty sure it's that easy. And, yeah. And, and in fact, I think he's about 45 minutes, I think, from the Canadian border. He's anywhere from 45 minutes to two hours from the Canadian border. So. Yeah, they they say that he lives there now with his wife, you know, who was a Broncos cheerleader, Colette Klassen. And they have a, they have a, they have a child now. And uh, he lives near his brother, Eric. So... How did his brother end up in that? <laughs> uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? Maybe he has like a special needs brother or something. Well, depending on what you're on, uh, you know, if it's a biographical information, was he born in Arizona or did he just end up having to play in Arizona State? He just happened to play in Arizona State. Uh, he was actually born and raised in Boise, Idaho. Oh, he is. Yeah, and uh, he was a three sports star in high school playing baseball, basketball, mm-hmm. and, and football. I- and then was all state quarterback. Yeah. So I wrongly assumed that he was an Arizona boy. No, I he, assumed I, I assumed he was an Arizona boy because he got off. He got accepted as a football scholarship to Arizona State, and then gained national attention as Jake the Snake, of, like you know, and then undefeated regular season Pac-10 championship. Yeah, so. the, time, the time of the Pac-10 at the time. Yeah, see, I, did, I don't know why he just struck me as a guy who was Arizona boy. I mean, he didn't see. Oh, okay, well, that makes more sense now. See, that's why he probably didn't want to leave. I, mean, I think that's why he did retire, man. He truly didn't want to leave the Broncos because everything was set up for him because, well, now that I've learned for sure that he was from Idaho, now, now I'm thinking about it. Like I said, at the time, I figured, okay, he probably had settled down, I assumed, in Denver. And then, you know, he was dating the dating the girl who was the Broncos cheerleader. So, I, so once he gets traded, actually traded to Tampa, that's probably when things just went different for him. He probably just thought, yeah, yeah. Why do you want to go to somewhere else? Yeah, exactly. And especially, we don't know if the, if the wife was, or, uh, or I guess now wife, uh, we don't know if she was always a Denver resident, you know, born, raised there, and she's like, well, I don't feel like moving from here. We don't know if it was if he wanted, you know, her to pick up, move where he was, and 
And he think. got a he got a huge contract, didn't he, Castro? From uh, the yeah, Broncos? Not only that, but you also said that he was a four it was four quarterbacks who's not to compete with. I mean that's not three million's not worth it, I guess, to him. Because I think he got, he got paid in... How much did he get paid? Hang on, let me look that up real quick. I guess it wasn't worth it for sure to pick up and move all the way to Florida. It wasn't worth it. And like I said, Colorado's pretty close to Idaho. So he probably thought to himself, you know, assuming... Let's not forget, he could easily have had his off-season home in Idaho. So it's very possible that being in Denver, not that far away from Idaho, it's very possible he just figured, you know, I don't want to go any any farther away from home than where I'm already at. I mean, a lot of factors could come into play on why he retired. I mean, he just didn't want to move so far away anymore when maybe he really yeah, built his damn home already in Idaho and there all that. <laughs> yeah, I can't find it on here. No, I can't find it on here. But, um, yeah, uh, one other thing I want to like to add is... Uh, <laughs> He actually he actually talks about his relationship. I guess he had a he had a uh, well. This is from Deadspin, but they had a. I guess he did a, had a radio. He was on a radio station. And he was talking about Mike Shanahan and me. I'm thinking he's, he's gonna go after Mike Shanahan. But uh, he goes. Uh, this is his relationship. This is what he says about his relationship with Mike Shanahan. He he says I think this conversation and the fact alone that fans would want me back. They miss me and I kind of see the way it was played out. But Shanahan was a great coach and did a lot of great things, but he hasn't been winning a lot since that decision went down. I'm not trying to point out something to the fans that they don't already know. Have no beef against Shanahan. And my career went crazy for four years. Had some of my best years in the NFL here, so I have nothing but thanks for him for bringing me in. Of course, we didn't mesh as coach and player uh, once Gary Kubek left, but that's in the books, man. <laughs> and then he, he also says what bugs him about Tim Tebow because you know gotta throw Tim Tebow in there I don't know I don't know if he can say what bugs me about him I just I think throughout my whole life I understand people's beliefs and what they believe in and it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way after a game the people I always thanked were my teammates because they were there whatever belief you believe in that's fine but then he goes on and does all that stuff but yeah yeah, well, that, you can make of that what you will. I know, well, I know when it comes to me, it, it never bothered me, and uh, as an agnostic, it just never bothered me. I know most people probably think, like, oh, Brady, really? does it? Why the hell would he? It's just, they believe right on. Or, you know, an agnostic, with, as I call it, myth around, is a half-believer. But still, the point is, if you don't, fine, I don't know why. If they don't believe, I don't know why they ever got so up and off about it. But, yeah, man, the whole... Well, I mean, I guess it kind of figured he'd be doing some kind of coaching, and I guess you know, he's a real homely type of guy, just real, real homely, just real, always wanted to stay at home, or always wanted to be near home, because, I mean, as you said, he was born in Idaho, and he lives there now, Yeah. and I, I guess Denver was real close enough, but I wonder, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this guy probably had an off-season home all the time in Idaho, so I'm assuming, now that I know what I know, he probably always just did back home in Idaho. I'm assuming. I'm assuming that now he probably just always been back home in Idaho. And going to Denver, he figured, oh, look how close I am. You know, if I want to see family during the bye week, or even, you know, I believe NFL players for the most part get that money through the off, make a quick trip home, and going out to going out to going out to Tampa Bay it would have been two things. One, like we said, he would have to go on up against those the four quarterbacks, and. Two, it was just so far from where he lived. Yeah. 
Well, I guess we put that one to rest finally, but... Alright, what's our other... Let's look at our bag of, of mysterious things that we're gonna pull out next for the, the strange universe of sports. Well, the next bag of tricks we have is uh, the band on the... I guess this one you could say was a real trick with a tough fan, the fan was coming already. And it's nothing more than good old Steve Bartman. Fly ball to left, toward the line, a little over. Imagining that possibility is part of the magic of baseball. But for one fan, the dream of making that catch turned into a nightmare he could never have imagined. And leaping up, Alou cannot make the play. And Moises is unhappy with the fans, but Moises went into the seats. He could have had that ball. A fan interfered with him. A loyal fan, a young man named Steve Barton, who wanted to catch a ball, caught something else instead. So there were strange, I guess you want to call it tail in, in sports. This has to be one of them. I mean... What are we calling this, this, this segment? The uh, Curious Case? The Curious, the curious Case of Steve Bartman, yeah. So let's call this The Curious Case of Steve Bartman. Like, uh, I feel like he's 60 now, but he had every segment, you know, every segment has a name. The Curious Case. We now see The Curious Case of Steve Bartman. Alright, alright, so, okay, so Castro, explain it to everybody, because you probably know more about it than, than I do well, for this subject. Well, for sure, they, you know, uh, they didn't see all this and they didn't, well, weren't there. Steve Bartman. I guess you could put it, the, the, I guess the phrase that most fits this man and uh, incident in sports is wrong place at the wrong time. Definitely wrong time. <laughs> For sure wrong time and wrong place, I guess, well I guess you could also say definitely wrong place <laughs> and most definitely wrong time. Alright, Steve Bartman was a Chicago Cup fan. They didn't stand like anybody else was, and there was a, a foul ball gets hit. I believe it was to the left left field corner, and as usual, the fan sees a free souvenir. In all honesty, Steve Barman himself didn't get up; just him alone. There was a couple of guys. And even a girl was involved uh, as well. They reached for the ball. It came, you know, they they all had their hands on it. And it just so happened, though, that Bartman was just the most visible of the people. He just, and I think to an extent, he somewhat maybe even had the most hands, if you will, on it. So, you know, they, they kind of, there was a fan reach out over the, over the wall, over the rating, rather. Pull the ball back in. And they fight for the ball. As they're fighting for the ball, Moses Alou had attempted to jump up and make the catch. And he sees the ball get pulled in by the fans. And immediately, you know, he, he throws his, his glove and he just going to a tantrum. And that is where all hell definitely breaks loose because all of a sudden, people start thinking for, people start looking for, like, who did it? Who did it? You know, why is he mad? That means he, that means Moses Alou felt he truly could have caught ball and and now it's in the stand and whose fault was it who who did it who did it and unfortunately those this one guy just seems so obvious well not, well not obvious but he seemed just to stand out more than anybody else and it was this man by the name of steve bartman in a baseball cap with, with black rim glasses and just 
just sitting there, and for some fans, I guess he was sitting there just too quietly. I guess for the fans, they just felt that maybe, dare I say, in their eyes, looked guilty. Even though in his, you know, Steve Arnold himself was just thinking, nah, you know, back to the game, see what's going on. I think people just, you know, when they're watching it on television, the people around them, you know, I'm pretty sure he was shown to the big screen and in the Wrigley Field. They, he just had this, I guess the best way I could put it is maybe outcast look. Like he, had, he was maybe looked a little out of place, if you will. He yeah. Yeah, and I'm looking at the picture right now, Castro. Um, there's like a, I have an image I'm looking on Google. Uh-huh. But if you look at everybody's hands, and Bachman's reaching out like this. Anybody, anybody that's listening to this, you can't see my hands. My hands are reaching out in front of me. And everybody else's hands are just like this. Like, like they want no part of it where their hands are towards their, 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 their upper torso and they're just like, no, leave me alone, you know, get out of the way. There's all of them. They're all like, and then there's one guy who, who's on this side, uh, who's on the Bartman's immediate left, and he's kind of like making a face like, ah, don't do it, you know? <laughs> so there's obviously people that are witnessing this, you know, millisecond while it's happening, and they all have the same reaction, but the only person that doesn't have that reaction is Steve Bartman. He looks like He's really gunning for that ball. And if he really was, this is why, you know, they said that he was listening to the uh, the headphones, uh, the radios, whatever. I don't think he was, man. He was probably listening to something else. <laughs> Jamming out some FM station, some rock station in Chicago. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was listening to the other opponents. Um, you know, for all we know, maybe he was, who did they play that game, Buster? It was the Florida Mornings. This maybe. is the Florida Mornings uh, World Series run in 2003. Okay, maybe he was a Florida Marlins fan. With, with Chicago Cubs gear on? I know I wouldn't go to Chicago wearing a Florida Marlins hat. You see, see, now, you see, now no one, no one oh, ever, point, oh, no one ever brings that up, right? And I just figured it out just by looking at the picture, but oh, what if he was a Florida Marlins fan? I don't that, that, that would be a nice little argument, you know, a nice little uh, hypothesis to just one problem. He did live in Illinois. He was born and raised in the Chicago area. How many people do you know personally that live in the same state and really root against <laughs> their own state's team? You're one of them. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, but, he's, yeah, but Chicago is different, man. Chicago, you, you couldn't get away with that. They just kick your ass or throw you off the street or something like that. Yeah. No, no, on a serious basis, though. He probably he probably wasn't. No. He, he was born and raised in the Chicago area. And, I remember, well, if you remember the E60 documentary, they had it where, no, not the E60, the 3430, they had it where they said there was a delay between, and, and, and that would be true because depending on what's being broadcast out of the stadium, he was in the stadium, the signal still has to get to his little radio and. Yeah. I don't know how. how and again, when people were talking about, like, oh, who did it? Who was in the stands? I guess Bar- I guess Barman figured, well, I wasn't the only one who went for the ball. So I guess he figured, I'm not in any trouble. I'm not in any danger. I'm not the only guy who, I'm not the only person who reached for the ball. And I don't know. It it just looks, I don't know. If he really was a fan, he just got to 
gotta have the know-how to know when. Well, well, that's the thing too. How do we know if he just wasn't one of these guys who was, who just fortunate enough to get a ticket? How about I mean, it's also it's also possible that this. Maybe he he was a fan. He was just trying to be a casual fan. Maybe he wasn't a, a, as as knowledgeable and as hardcore as the other people around him. Maybe, like I said, he lucked his way into playoff tickets, and unfortunately, and again, some of the people around him did also kind of reach for the ball. And you you would think that fan Chicago fans of all people with this, with their Billy Goat curse would have known better than the rich hands out. You would have you would have figured that. Every single Cup fan near that in that section would have all just backed off. You would have figured, all would have said, everybody get up your seat and move. But again, you, you get caught up in the moment of, oh, it's a playoff. But that too, it wasn't just a regular season ball. It was a playoff ball. So that, it's also understandable on some of the fans' part, no matter how much fan you are of the team. There's something coming your way that you don't always get. That's a playoff ball. I mean, you know, it's an LCS ball, and again, I mean, so that, you'll know, hear the moment of catching it. I mean, it's going to be kind of hard for someone to to really look down and watch his Alu and then and then think to themselves, oh, wait, yeah. he can't catch this ball. I'm getting the heck out of the way. And I, I think it was, I think it, if, any, if anybody out there is listening to it and they haven't seen this documentary, you should, I think it's on YouTube. It's called uh, Catching Hell. Um, you could, it's a documentary film that was made last year, right, Castro? Um, yeah. uh, uh, for ESPN, 30 for 30. Great. Great. Pretty much great series. Like, what do you call it? A series? A show? Yeah, well, they consider it a series. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing. Like, I've seen the, the Ricky Williams. 30 for 30 was exceptional. That one, I saw that one. There was a, a Muhammad Ali one that was really great, too. Uh, this one's called Catch Now, and this one's just like, it dissects everything, like, like, amazingly. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, where was I going with this? But yeah, if, it, if Moses Alou actually comes out on the documentary film, and he talks about, like, does he feel sorry for the guy? And he says, sure, you know, <laughs> he sure does. You know, and I wouldn't say it's uh, Alou's fault, but kind of is, because if he didn't have that reaction, because he was really upset, like, he was livid, he was just like, he was like, uh, like just like yelling, almost throwing a tantrum in the middle of, you know, right field or left field, whatever left field. So, I think I think maybe if uh, Alou didn't react that way, uh, I think I don't think people would know who Barman is. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's hard because can I just say for the sake of argument, Alou doesn't react the way he does, but people, especially the the analyst and, and you know the commentators, they're still gonna know that Alou was able to go up and almost catch the ball. So they just say Alou just goes up, comes right down, says, ah, oh well, I'll get the next one. How do we know some of the people in the media and commentators don't kind of keep saying what they're saying and it, which was more or less, oh man, you know what? If, what if they truly believe that Alou still had a chance today? So even take with a tantrum. But I just said the the commentators would have been thinking of themselves and saying it out loud, you know, on, on air. Oh man, who could have caught that? I can't believe the fans, especially the Chicago fans of all people, let that happen. I can't believe they all reached for a ball when it looked possible for their own guy to catch it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, and the commentators could have kept it going, 
and we don't know maybe fans at the ballpark. Maybe maybe it would have been shown on air as much, like you said, without the tantrum. And let's just say for the sake of argument, the commentators themselves don't mention anything anymore once the play happens. I don't know if the fans in the stands wouldn't have. I don't know if they would have been, hey, man, you, what the hell's your problem? That's <laughs> true, yeah. So you cost, a, you cost us an out and... And, and again, I mean, a lot of people always, always come back to, well, they'll throw the game seven to play. They'll throw the game seven. Yes, but in baseball, where you play back-to-back games, I mean, I just don't know how you can get over a shell shock like that where you, you're thinking, all right, we're a few outs away from the World mm-hmm. Series, and all of a sudden, off one little incident, it goes it goes haywire, and you end up losing like, like I said, sometimes in, in sports like the NFL, where you have an entire week, it can you can still be shell shocked from a previous week's loss and not win the not win the next game because of what happened to you the previous game. You can win, you can lose two games in a row. One because you were shell shocked, you know something happened and you just think yourself, wow. And the following week, you're still shell shocked from it. Again, it's been an entire week and you can still just be stunned by it. So imagine baseball where you have to play back to back. I mean. It, it, it's hard. It, uh, it's something that's like, like in college football, they think they believe this happens a lot. Does it? I don't know. I can see their point though, where they think it could happen. Where, oh, just like last, like just like this past week, where LSU South Carolina played, or you know, but then South Carolina played Georgia the week before, or whomever the hell they played, and it's like, oh, you get so high for a game, come the next week, it's it's nothing. Or or for instance, they just say Alabama one week plays. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they play South Carolina, and then the next week they play, I don't know, Georgia Southern. I mean, you're not going to get as high for Georgia Southern as you are for, for you know, Alabama. As, as, as I said, Alabama is you, I mean, I And so, yeah. I mean, it, it also, it also, I mean, back to back, it's in a way. Which, well, also, what you're saying, just to add to it, um, even does it to franchises, if you think about it. Like, some of these franchises, especially in the NFL, look at the Bengals. You know, they're always, you know, well, maybe not so anymore, but, like, uh, what's another? Like, Kansas City, you know, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. It's just certain franchises, Dallas Cowboys in recent years, you know, it's just certain teams that just, for whatever reason, I kind of think it has to do with ownership and manage upper management that nothing ever gets changed you know, from year to year. And when you look at it per per game basis, I guess it's a little bit different because it's... Uh, but, I don't know. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah cause, like, maybe the, the ownership just keeps hiring the same type of people over and over and over, never knowing if that's yeah, the problem. Like, like, the same type of people. Maybe it's the ownership, you know? I'm not saying in this situation it is, but you, you could see how something like that could happen. Just to add to your point, is that's all I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, also, like I said, a very strange. Uh, probably point. Probably probably one of the history. Probably in the top ten, top five for sure. Strangest things that could ever happen in sports. Uh, the the case of uh, Steve Bartman. The curious case. Curious Steve Bartman. And, and who knows where the hell he's living? Who knows? I remember in the documentary they said that he, he had he, he had to be contacted through whoever representatives and 
and this and that. So I mean, and uh, uh, awesome. Even years later, he's still to be contacted through through people. I suppose. And they they awful. They they also have offered him like three figures, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do interviews. You know, and he's yet to crack. And I, we're we're talking before the show about hey, how does he has how has he avoided the internet? You know. Because uh, he doesn't have a Facebook, you know. He has a Facebook page, but it's obviously, you know, started by fans, you know. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> Can we call him that? <laughs> <laughs> whatever you call him. White Sox fans. <laughs> White Sox fans. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the culture we live in nowadays where everybody has, you know, a cell phone and Twitter and, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. And everybody's posting and online all the time, 24-7. It's pretty amazing how he's remained unknown, you know, since uh, the Bartman incident. Yeah, but uh, the guy in his situation is so different. I just think you have to, have to just stay off it. Just put it be off. You're, you're damn near off the grid, assuming that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how to workplace. Maybe, who the hell knows if he even lives in Illinois still? <laughs> he may be long gone from the what, what, would you, what would you have done, Dustin? That happened to you? Just curious. Well... Uh, I, I may just, uh, if I, I don't know, like, the way he's looking around, like, like, people just trying to get, look, I'm going to tell myself, you know what, I think my well-being is in some serious danger here, and I'm outnumbered, you know, 50,000 or whatever, or whatever it holds, 30,000, 20,000, or one, yeah, those aren't good odds. <laughs> I probably would have, I probably would have hightailed it out of there, like, after a while, thinking to myself, all right, there's going to be an awful lot of stairs towards me, yeah. I think I probably would have hightailed it out of there, and after that, and that too, maybe his staying so long, also, you know, has to do with it. Where he stayed so long, people are just thinking, thinking to themselves, "Wow, look at this guy just staying. He just look, look how calm, collected he is." Where you know, maybe they, maybe they just, as one of the people on the documentary uh, pointed out, they just want to see more emotion out of the guy, and when they did it, yeah, they just thought like they. Like he he wasn't he wasn't sad angry anything he was just looking emotionless and yeah he was and so I think people also put that into consideration of wait what the hell you're not care man I got teams down here and you're not this is a care buddy so he didn't even get mad at himself like dang it come on like like come on act brother <laughs> so. <laughs> again man I think maybe it could just be that well he was he was just. For maybe he was just a casual fan, and that's probably sometimes one of the worst things to be when you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes it's just better off, you know. I mean, uh, I'll, again, some guys still reach for the ball, and you would really have thought that Chicago Cubs fans of all people would have known better than to do that. But again, as I said, though, by the same token, emotion comes over you. You see. Again, as I said, in a, a league championship series ball coming in your way, you figure, wow, you know, how often am I going to, one, how often am I going to be in a position to catch a league championship series ball? Two, being that I'm a Cubs fan, how often am I going to be in a league championship series game? So, again, all, all those kind of factors came in, you know, people fighting for the ball, and then there's this one guy who just looked, to be such an oddball compared to the others, he just stood out and he just made, dare I say, the perfect victim. 
Yeah. I mean, he just, he just made the perfect pizza, man. That's, that's all it was sometimes. I thought that's all it is. See? Yeah. You, you just had used the perfect pizza. Yeah. All right, well, I think that we're already approaching a mi- uh, an hour for uh, Strange Universe of Sports. <laughs> I love that title, by the way. Um, I was going to say, all right, Casa, close us out. All right, folks, hope you enjoyed this very first wacky edition of Trinity uh, vs. Sports. Uh, I assure you that next time around we'll have everything more together, more spread away. But, uh, you know, that's for the future, not for the now. And I just want to go ahead and, for Car Gonzalez, I'm Mark Casado Jr. And don't forget to go ahead and visit our, our main page, sportsway.tv. Our Facebook page, same thing, sportsway.tv. Obviously, YouTube, where we put all the, the all the radio shows, this podcast will be up there, so YouTube slash TV and go ahead, uh, visit them all. You can go ahead, email us, comments, and on YouTube and Facebook, you guys want to follow that, you can obviously comment there as well. And even through the uh, webpage, you can go ahead and sign up for a mailing list, you can get all this stuff, you can know when we upload things. And hope you guys have fun, again, uh, It'll get better if you. <laughs> <laughs> it'll get it'll get better. <laughs> it'll get better if you more polished. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna try to. Car and I work to work together. So yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're gonna work out the key. The show goes. Yeah, this is a new series, Strange Universe of Sports, brought to you by Sportsway.tv. And nothing else, we will entertain you. <laughs> so go along, folks. You unlock the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of science. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of a shadow of